Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I'm really glad you're here. You're in for a special treat today. I've been trying to get this cat on my podcast. I called you a cat. That's a good thing. I'm just trying to pretend like I'm cool. All right. Um, you are cool. People say cat. Yeah. It sounds like... Anyway. People like I've been, say cat. I've been trying to get Chris Kleewine on the podcast for like forever. And uh, he's just so busy doing deals, hanging out with his family, crazy awesome things. And he's in St. Louis. He's one of the biggest active wholesalers in St. Louis. And uh, I love seeing his emails. He sends emails all the time with his latest properties. And uh, you just had a big deal recently that you're trying to sell really quickly. Is it okay if I ask you this live podcast in front of millions and millions of people? Chris, you had to have it sold with like in like five days or something. Yeah, I sent it out on Sunday. We needed it to close on Thursday. Yes. And what is today, Wednesday? We got it. Uh, I, I actually am pretty, pretty uh, fortunate. I've spent years here in St. Louis building a buyer's list. So I've probably got about sixteen to 18,000 names on my buyer's list. So we did an email blast on Sunday. And then by Monday, we had a buyer. Yes. Yeah. This was a smoking hot deal. And uh, I, I love, so I brought this up because I love getting Chris's emails. I'm on his buyer's list. None of his deals are good enough for me, but I'm like, I like seeing his, right. I'm just kidding. They are really good deals, but I love seeing Chris's deals out there because um, just nobody's doing this anymore, right? Like everybody thinks it's so hard and it's difficult to do deals. And, and, you know, St. Louis is not that competitive, but it is. I mean, we've got other wholesalers out there. Chris just keeps on plugging away, chugging away. He's been at it for a long time. He's built a great buyer's list and he can sell these deals lightning fast. And I didn't even prep him with that question. I put him on the spot because um, I don't know what happened. Did you have a buyer that fell through before, Chris? No, uh, the, the deal was actually um, with one of my students who kind of graduated out of my program. So we weren't doing deal splits anymore. And he's built his own list. He had a couple of uh, investors go over and look at it and then really couldn't find a buyer and he was just about ready to give the deal back. And I said, Hey, let me take a shot at it. So sent it out, found a buyer for him uh, the first day. So it's scheduled to close tomorrow. So that's awesome. Yeah. Chris and I used to share uh, an office. He was always trying to steal my assistant and uh, asking her if she could work for him. <laughs> but um, Chris, cool. we've Hi, known Chris. each other. We've known each other a long time, right? Like I think we were we met through a mutual friend coach, Sean McCloskey. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then I had met you at some local RIAs here in town, and our sons were in the Boy Scouts together. Did the Boy Scout parade together. We shared an office together for years. Of course, you were never there, <laughs> traveling the world and doing what you do. So I, I always thought that was cool. I always looked up to that. Chris and I. Um, I mean, yeah, we, I remember go, uh, you, did you ever go to Sean McCloskey's meetings that he used to have in his old retail office? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, kind of in that REI black book boardroom back in there. Yeah. Well, okay. But there was, I thought a long time ago before that even. Oh, well, no, anyway. not big office. No. Okay. All right. But, um, calls. You were doing what? 
I would do phone calls, dial into the conference calls. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Chris and I have been friends for a long time and he's been an active investor. How long have you been, you know, at least trying to do deals in St. Louis, Chris? I, I've been doing it for about 23 years. My very first deal wow. was a no money down deal where I bought a two family flat in U city and moved into one side of it and rented out the other. And I, I was hooked after that. Nice. I pulls up in this BMW, fills out an application and I was working corporate at the time fills out an application and he's making more than double what I'm making. And he wants to rent from me and his oh. rent was going to be enough to pay the mortgage. I'm like, yes, I love this real estate thing. So it just <laughs> went on from there. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about that. How did you get started in the business? What did you, what got you interested in real estate? I'm probably like everybody else. I, you know, when I was a kid, I saw the Carlton sheets infomercials. I had a buddy that wanted to partner with me. I had a credit card at that time. I was probably a senior in high school and was able to have a credit card. My buddy didn't. So I used my credit card and he offered to have it shipped to his address. And we're like, okay, great partnership. I still, to this day, I've never, ever seen that. It got shipped there and I don't know what he did with it. And I'm wow. sure it was old VHS tapes or something. So I've always been excited about it. And then, yeah. uh, you know, just at the right time, I stumbled across a real estate agent that would help me get into that two family flat I was talking about with no money down. And then it just kind of rolled from there. I started attending RIA meetings, started networking, started going to uh, training, signed up with coaches and mentors. I'm a huge believer in having a coach and mentor um, and just continue to follow that. Do you remember the WIN meetings? Yeah. Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. What did WIN stand for? W-I-N, Wealth, Wealth Improvement Network. Network. Wealth Improvement. Yeah. And then uh, there was the street, the RIA club street called Rhea. the street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Sean took it over, made it the Life and Air RIA, and now it's the Heartland RIA. I think Chuck, yeah. Chuck's got it now and, yeah. and Dave Barry. Cool. So um, you, you, I love Carlton Sheets. I've never gone through one of his courses, but he's kind of the heroes in our industry, isn't he? Because um, he was out there teaching this stuff. And uh, yeah, he made a lot of money. But you know what? I, and I talk about this a lot. I think it was Robert Allen. I have. And, uh, but Robert Allen said this. And this is the reason why I brought this up. He said, I've made my millions doing real estate. I've made my hundreds of millions teaching people how to do real estate. And okay, yeah, people bash the gurus all the time because they make a lot of money. But you know what? If it wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't have learned about real estate to begin with, would we? If it wasn't true. for the Robert Allens, the Carlton Sheets, who was that other guy? Um, uh, Russ Whitney. Um, uh, what was that Asian guy? Yeah. <laughs> there Ron was a, a Tim. Ron LeGrand. Ron LeGrand. But like, I thank God for the gurus that were out there teaching yeah. this stuff yeah. because they were willing to share their knowledge and it got, you know, my coach started who, who then coached somebody else who got started then who coached me. Yeah. And, uh, it was, I, I, I don't complain about these guys ever. Yeah. I, I don't either. I think what it does is it teaches us abundance. It, you know, if we had the scarcity mindset, Oh, there wasn't enough deals out there. Then nobody would want to share with anybody. We, everybody would worry about competition where, I'm, that's one thing I love about you, Joe, is you, you've got no secrets. You'll share everything and, and you have, and I love that. It's that abundance mindset that there's plenty of deals for all of us and we're willing to help each other. And so I'm with you on that. I thank God for the gurus without them. I don't know that I would be doing what I'm yeah. doing. Have you heard of Dave Delgado? I I've heard the name, but I don't know who he is. I'm not familiar with that. No, <laughs> sorry, Bobby. 
your guru wasn't as famous as our gurus. No, it, it, well, I, I don't, uh, you know, that's probably the younger generation. There's probably gurus now on YouTube that people watch all the time, which I, I don't. One of the things, if I had to give anybody, oh boy. <laughs> all right. Tommy Vu with the hot chicks and bikinis on his boat. Oh my gosh. If you want a good laugh, let me just tell you, go to YouTube, do a search for Tommy Vu real estate. <laughs> In his boat. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I, I'm, I'm trying to be like culturally sensitive um, and not politically incorrect, but you know, like, I, and, and we've talked a lot about this, Chris, like, you know, you have a lot of courses and uh, I, I've borrowed some of yours. You've borrowed some of mine and, and uh, it's just really cool to, look back at that stuff and, and learn from it. I'm constantly investing in my education. What yeah. are you as well? Like, what are you, um, what's your perspective on that? I am right now. What I feel like uh, for me is networking with other people in the industry, always trying to continue to learn. I think that constant learning is so important, but having said that, I also would call, like, if you ask me my one piece of advice for new people, it's be consistent. And, you know, don't give up, be consistent, but then also be careful of the shiny object. It's so easy for us to get distracted. Oh, you know, look over here, look over here, be consistent. And a lot of times that, you know, some of the, some of the ways gurus come to us are with those offers that are, you know, it's the lure of this and you try it for a minute and but you don't put in enough effort to actually make it work. And then you're off to the next thing. So I feel like find your thing stick with it, learn from people that have gone down the path before. Don't try to reinvent it. You know, I've seen people, uh, well, cause I'm a St. Louis guy. I've been in the audience when you were teaching and you're handing out your course and you've got this one page, um, sheet for the lease options. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sitting in the back and there's people going, Oh, this isn't right. They're trying to make it into a 17 page document or something. I'm like, what are you doing? It works. Just use it. Just use it. <laughs> um, yeah, that you know what what got you, Chris, from being the professional student, which I was for about four years when we first met. Like I was that guy going to all the boot camps and yeah. the workshops. And you remember Chris Kirshner? He would come into town, and yeah. and uh, I loved his stuff. But like it took me forever to implement it because I was afraid of making mistakes. I was afraid of success, even right. Like so, what got you out of? you know, study mode into doing deals mode, actually making offers. Boy, or was that uh, never, was that, was that never a problem for you? It's not a problem for everybody. Well, when I started, um, I was in corporate and, you know, I had this dream, this fit, you and I have similar backgrounds. So my background's electrical engineering. I went to Wash U to get my MBA. My vision was to go up the corporate ladder and be a C-level executive, CIO, CEO, CFO, something. I joined in the IT industry. And so, uh, you know, quickly I moved up. So I was a manager, but um, I reported up the food chain to into the CIO. And I realized, man, I could be there for another 50. I could die here and still never make it the three or four steps up the ladder. And what I realized quickly was it was the um, – it's not about what you do. We don't get promoted in the corporate world for doing a good job. It's who you like and do they like you. It's all the politics, which I never, ever anticipated, right? As a kid, yeah. I would never thought that. So as I got into that and I realized I wasn't enjoying, I wasn't getting the fulfillment from the job, I found fulfillment in real estate. 
when I first bought that, um, that two family, I loved it. And so then I did really? another one and then did a flip and did a rehab. So at that point for me, it was about, well, growing my knowledge because I want to be kind of like you, the deal engineer. If I get a deal and it doesn't fit as a wholesale, what else can I do with this? Right. And yeah. so oh, yeah. for me, that was what gaining knowledge was about is understanding what it is, understanding the terms of the industry and learning from people who had been there before. So I don't have to recreate the wheel and just being good at what I do. That's, that was what it was for me. That's what I enjoy. What percent of your deals today are creative finance versus just cash flips, wholesale, or even rehabs? Like what, what, what's your kind of, how, how are you doing deals today? So, uh, so for me today I do. So, um, I do a lot of partnership with students and I believe not to have tons of students, I want a few number of students that I can give them a lot of time. So I don't have any students outside of St. Louis. Uh, I'm a St. Louis guy. You know, when I started, so my mentor said, hey, put together this coach. I mean, put together this course, travel the country. So I put together a home study course. Started out and I probably had eight or 10 places that I went to that first wait, wait, time. No, we didn't. Sean or whoever it was, me, we didn't tell you to do that. You said you wanted to do it. Yeah. Okay. And, and right on. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. And then I immediately got out there and was spending the night in, a, in another city in a hotel that I wasn't familiar with and not without my family. And I thought this, I thought that was my vision clearly wasn't my vision. So now, you know, I stepped back and, and, and I prayed about it and just tried to figure out where is my vision? What am I doing? And I found, I don't need to leave St. Louis. I can do all the deals I want to do. And I get a real passion from helping other people do the deals. So that's what I do now. So a lot of my deals are student deals. For me personally, quite a bit, probably about 40% of my deals come in through referrals. What I like to do now is travel. So I'll wholesale just about everything I can wholesale. If it looks like a good uh, property to keep, I'll do that. And I'll do either private money or creative financing. And when, then, you hold, when you buy and hold a property. When I buy and hold. And what I do now is I like to just do five-year notes or less. I think 30-year note, you know, going through the whole down. You're talking about on the buy side when you're on buying. The buy side, on the buy side. I'll sell on a 30-year note. But on the buy side, I don't like anything longer than a five-year note. Because going through the downturn, you know, it, people lost everything because of the banks. If you can get it free and clear as fast as possible, then – I think that's where it's at. So that's my vision for everyone today is get your properties free and clear as fast as possible. Now, having said that, there's tons of people teaching the Burr method. I'm just saying it's not for me. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. It is for some people. And, and yeah. here's the thing. You, well, well, first of all, let me explain what the Burr method is. Buy, renovate, rent, refinance, right? And, and then re redo. Yeah, repeat it. So the idea is um, just keep on getting as much bank loans and buy as many houses as you can. Um, problem with that is um, it, if and, and when the market goes down again, um, you might be caught in a world of hurt, right? Like I didn't, I, I don't know if you've met anybody, Chris, in the last downturn that went into foreclosure and bankruptcy who owned free and clear houses. Did, no, do you? Not free and clear. No, but a bank loan. Uh, Joe, we just had a guy this week, local St. Louis guy, uh, using the Burr method. And a lot of times in the Burr method, you know, you can only qualify for so many 
federally backed Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans between four and eight, maybe 10, depending on how you push it. So most people go into the portfolio loans where the bank gives you a 20-year note, but they reassess it every three years and decide whether they're going to continue to extend the loan or readjust. Yeah, let's talk about that. What happens when they say no? So that just happened. So this guy's got 25 houses here in St. Louis, and the bank decided that they weren't managed the way that the bank wanted to see them managed because a large number of them were vacant. So then when they reevaluated the values, they were way below what he owed on it. So the bank said, hey, you either need to bring this huge amount of money to the table or we're calling the note due. And he wasn't in a position to bring the money to the table. So he ended up this week doing deed in lieu and signing those properties all back to the bank. So, you know. This is somebody in St. Louis? Somebody in St. Louis right now this week. Do I know this person? No. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know this person. Okay. Okay. Um, Yikes! Are you serious? I'm serious. So it's happening now. Even in the strongest economy we've seen in St. Louis, stuff can happen. Now I don't know him. I don't know his story. But you know, you get 25 rentals, and life happens. And and say say you get sick, or your you know aging parent, or anything, cancer, you name it. Kid gets in a wreck. Anything could happen that takes your focus off the ball of those 25 rentals for a while, say a year or two, and some of them go vacant and things mushroom out of control, the bank's going to snatch them back. But if you've got them free and clear, nobody's going to come and take them away. And I believe that's super important. I just heard a story the other day, um, kind of similar related, but a, a, uh, a person had a property that was vacant and uh, they had a fire or something happened to the house. It was an investment property, a rental or something, but it was vacant. And the, um, the insurance company said, "Not, we're not going to cover it because it was vacant, mm. and it had been vacant for too long, or something like that." Yeah. Um, so there, you know, there's some. Obviously, that's gonna that's gonna hurt anybody, even if they own the house free and clear. But here's the problem that I had personally for me, and and I'd be curious. I want to ask you what happened to you when the market crashed last. But like, I ignored the fundamentals. And I got to a point where, man, if I could fog a mirror, I could get a, I could get a loan. I was counting on appreciation. I thought I was in the good neighborhoods. I thought just having 100, 200 bucks a month in cash flow was good enough. But then, you know, when the market turned, we saw it coming for, you know, at least a year when it crashed last in 07, 08, 09. But like, there was this point where it just dropped off the cliff. Um, what did you, what happened to you? when the market crashed and correct and what were some of the lessons you learned from that? Yeah, I I'm completely with you on that. I was buying anything. I was buying, I was taking things subject to any type of creative financing. I was um, buying and putting loans on things for 30 year loans. Uh, I was still in corporate and I had a six figure income and a, and a good credit score. So I was trying to build my portfolio. I was, I had the vision, you know, I was going to have as many rentals as I, I could have had about 50 rentals, had, you know, probably north of $4 million in debt on these things. And the market changed on me. And I remember one of the last things I bought was a house uh, in in Joe in in St. Louis, you can appreciate this, in Turtle Creek, kind of near our office. So the house in that area was about 300,000. And a guy left and went to Texas and signed it over to me subject to. And I'm like, yeah, I promise I'll make your payments. And I put a lease option buyer in there and it was negative $50 a month cash flow. And I said, you know, no problem because I know in about 12 to 14 months, maybe 18 months, this thing's going to appreciate $40,000. I, I knew it based on history. Well, 
things changed. It didn't happen. I finally just got rid of that thing last year. And, oh, are you uh, serious? You kept it that long? Yeah. Well, I felt like my when I give somebody my word, I'm going to make the payments. I'll do whatever I can do to make the payments. So going through that downturn was rough, was, oh, was rough. What are the fundamentals that you look for in rental properties or any investment property that you're going to buy and hold? Let's, yeah. let's do buy and hold. So for me, some of the basic fundamentals are the area. I believe in having a written vision of what area I want to be in because St. Louis is huge. It's an hour to get anywhere. I want them all within a 20 or 30 minute drive from my house and ideally in the same area. When I first started, and when many people start, they'd say, oh, we'll go anywhere for a deal, right? So Joe, I'd go to Kansas City for a deal if I need to, or Alabama or another state. Boy, that, you know, you yeah. think it works and that looks good on paper, but you try to do that for very long, it's, it's crazy. So now the fundamentals is I, I want to be in a certain area. I want to have a minimum of $300 a month cash flow. I don't want anything that's going to require a mortgage for longer than five years. And so we're blessed in St. Louis, absolutely blessed. I can find houses that are um, in an eighty dollars to $90,000 area, and I can be buying them for about thirty dollars to $35,000 as a wholesaler. So yeah, I could wholesale that on and make five or 10, but I can get private money at 6%, put a note on that, amortized over five years, it'll still cash flow a couple hundred bucks a month. Well, it's it's amortized over five years or you have a balloon in five years? Amortize. I'll amortize over five years. Good for you. My payment's like 600 bucks a month and I can rent it for eight or nine, depending on the condition of the house, but I don't rent it. Okay. So I um, sell it on contract for deed. So they're the owner. They're responsible for everything. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. No, that's not my primary strategy. That's my long-term retirement plan, but mainly I'm a wholesaler. Is it hard for somebody who's new in the business to find a good title company that can help them with their wholesale deals or their creative deals like you're talking about? No, but I do think it's important because the laws are so different all around the country. Like Illinois, Joe, I don't know if you knew this, Illinois just made it require a real estate license to yeah. do assignment deals, to do more than one assignment deal in a 12-month period. And that starts yeah. January 1st. So it's important that you kind of know the laws a little bit. And one of the ways to do that is call around to title companies. All of them are different. So like say in St. Louis, if I want to do a subject to deal, there's only one title company that I know of in St. Louis that will close that and give me title insurance on it. So yeah, you've got to know your strategy and the thing is, title companies are always looking to get to grow their business. So most of them, you call them and set an appointment. They would love you to come in and talk to them. And they, they embrace new investors and new clients. Well, one thing I tell people, too, is if you're looking for them, um, find somebody who's already doing deals yeah. in the area. Find a wholesaler that's already doing deals and bring them some leads or her bring them some leads and partner with them on some deals. You're going to find out the contracts that they use, the title companies, the attorneys, maybe even some of the lenders that they use and um, some of their buyers, the contracts. Like, So it's really a good idea to partner, partner with people. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about criteria for a deal that you're going to buy and hold, right? Um, you got, you got a cash flow, couple 300 and that's after a five year am loan at 6% right. interest from a private lender. Right. That's amazing. And is that after taxes and insurance? No, no, because I pass the taxes and insurance on to my contract for deed buyer. So I might have to pay it, but they'll reimburse. 
So you're acting like the bank in a certain yeah. sense. Do you keep this is a contract for deeds. You're the deed staying in your name. Right. right. Deed stays okay. in my name. But you got somebody now who it's, it's not like a lease option or a tenant, right? They are actually they're they own the home in, in practical sense. Yes. Right. In all so, um, they own it. And you're you're staying in the not in the class D neighborhoods, but you're probably in a B and a C neighborhood. Would you say yeah. is that right? Yeah, I can't do it in an A neighborhood here in St. Louis. And in many, like, you know, I'm out in Los Angeles and ask them, hey, what's your worst neighborhood? Their worst neighborhood is $300,000. Well, I can't do it in that neighborhood. But here in St. Louis, we're blessed. We've got a, a kind of a BC type neighborhood yeah. where houses generally go for about eighty dollars or $90,000. It's what I would consider uh, starter homes, blue collar homes. There's some rentals mixed in there. But most of the areas, there's probably at least 50% homeowners. So we're not in just the straight rental area. And we could still get deals. Things still cash flow. That's why I think people from other states are investing here. Other countries are investing here. The no. REACH, REACH had funds, had yeah. hedge funds. Everybody's yeah. investing here. And the, the economy is strong. It's stable. And we have the St. Louis Cardinals. And the right. and the St. Louis Blues, right? So what else do you need? Stanley like Cup, that's, man. That's, that's all. all you need. All right, and we're gonna go to the playoffs this year, and we're gonna we're gonna win the 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 the, uh, the National Central Division. Okay. Anyway, uh, what's your criteria for wholesale deals, Chris? When you're gonna wholesale a deal, what what kind of numbers? Where do you have to be at? Well, uh, I, I you you know basic formula: seventy percent of ARV minus repairs. Uh, that's what landlords and rehabbers will buy for generally. And so I want to get it cheaper than that if I can. We just like many other parts of the country, we've got some neighborhoods that are hot and I can actually sell it for 75% or 80% of ARV minus repairs. So just kind of knowing the neighborhoods helps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So just the typical standard Mayo formula. Yeah. It, it's been working for a long time and it's working for you. Right. It works great. Um, Talk about marketing. What you know, you don't have to share all your trade secrets. I know, but there is really no secret with direct mail. Like right. it, it's always worked, and it always will work. Yeah. Um, but what What are some of the things you're finding that's working for you? Well, one of the things I like about direct mail is you can ramp it up, right? So if you decide, hey, I really want to really increase my marketing, then maybe you double your, your direct mail spend and you can do that in 30 minutes and get it all set up and it goes. Um, most of the other things are hard to scale up. But however, I will say um, some people are great at networking. Others are not. If you're good at networking, I feel like you should leverage that because some of the most lucrative deals that I've seen come in through networking, a friend of a friend, and they, they set you up with the seller and um, that yeah. it, it's great. So if you can network, I think it's powerful. What, what are some networking tips that you can give to people? Um, let everybody know that you're looking for rentals and rehabs. And what, one of the things new wholesalers do often is they try to explain the whole wholesaling process to someone. And I'm telling you, most people just don't care. Their eyes roll up in the back of their head, but we feel like we've got to enlighten them. So I think keep it simple. Let them know you're looking for rentals and rehabs. Um, yeah. One, um, one of the places a lot of new people tend to network is the RIA meetings, which RIA meetings can be a great source if you know how to use them. But 
don't skip family and friends. They know people yeah. and just see if anybody can direct you something. Cause that's good too. At the RIA, it's important. I think that you show up most of the time somewhere between 25 and maybe as much as 50% are all new people that come every month. And then maybe, maybe they come back, maybe they don't. So the good RIA owners are bringing in new people all the time. It's important that you go during the networking part and it doesn't matter who's the headline speaker. And less, of course, it's Joe McCall and definitely go and listen to it. But whoever the headline speaker is, don't decide, Oh, I'm not going to go because I don't want to hear about, you know, whatever it is. Go for the networking, I think, and introduce yourself to people as a buyer. So the new people that have just met you, they have no idea who you are. If you come across as credible, they'll keep your card. When they get a deal they don't know what to do with, they call you. And that's such a good way to get deals. It really is. That's great advice. And people often overlook that and they forget. Yeah. It's called the flap your lips method. Right. You know, let's just tell people where you're from. Okay. Fire round question. We only got a few more minutes, Chris. What are some of your favorite systems and tools that you like to use? Man, I I believe in the basics. I believe you've got to have a CRM. What do you use for CRM? I use REI Blackbook, um, but I also use Podio. So I I feel strongly either one of those two can do wonderful business for you. I believe in an answering service, but a lot of people when you first start don't need that. So um, what do you use? I've got, um, oh boy. Pat Live? (laughs) No, I've used Pat Live before. But I use uh, um, oh I almost almost said Voice Nation is that it? Well yeah I used to use Voice Nation that was uh, yeah I've used them for I used to use them a lot. Uh, uh, Chris Chris Kirshner used to recommend them I think. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm just getting an email you- that pops up that that I mean they ask him a couple of basic questions yeah. in an email so then I can decide on my own time if it's yeah. a smoking hot deal I'm calling them back right away but if it's a bad deal in a war zone and they want too much. I'll call them back next week. It Excellent. changes the time dynamic around to be in my favor. Some good books that you've been reading recently. Man, my favorite lately is um, the book by the uh, FBI hostage negotiator. Don't split. Oh, the difference. never split the difference. Great book. I love that book. And, and now once I read the book and sign up on his website, now I'm getting invited to all these things. And I, I tell you, I, um, I wish he would go and figure out how to write a book on real estate negotiation, oh, I think it'd yeah. be powerful. That's a great book. Never split the difference. You guys should get that. Yeah. Any final tips, Chris, for folks um, that are just getting started? What would you say to them? Be consistent. Don't give up. Um, I think anybody in business for themselves, it's an emotional roller coaster. Make sure that you surround yourself with positive people. Um, I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to have a mentor and a coach. And and, and if I may be so bold as to say it, I think yeah. Joe is an amazing mentor and coach. But if it's not Joe, get someone. Don't try to reinvent the wheel, right? Follow the path of somebody that's gone before you that works. And uh, Joe's got some powerful systems. But whoever it is, I, I think that's important. Um, nice. Everybody tries to take something and try to improve upon it. And most of the things you don't need to improve upon. What we're doing is working. We've been doing this for decades. It works. So, you know following those footsteps. That's what appreciate I appreciate that. Appreciate that, Chris. How can people get a hold of you? Um, or maybe you don't want them to. It's okay <laughs> to say that. Uh, let me give you my email address. Uh, my email address is chris at premierhomeinvestors.com. It's chris at premierhomeinvestors.com. You can email me. I check it usually about every day. And I can, you know, if, you, if there's something I can help you with, I will. I'll get back to you. 
Cool. C-H-R-I-S, right? Chris at Premier Home Investors. PremierHomeInvestors.com. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Shorter URL, but. No, that's good. And if you, any of you are listening to this in the St. Louis area, um, anywhere in, in around the St. Louis area, in the Illinois side or Missouri side, um, if you're looking for a good local coach, I really recommend Chris. Um, he knows what he's doing. His students are having tremendous success right now. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Let's talk soon. And right. uh, let's, maybe we can go to a playoff game. Yeah, like for sure. For the Cardinals, that'll be fun. For sure. We'll, we'll talk later, man. I'll text right. you. I got to go. Thanks, thanks Chris. We'll see you guys, everybody. Bye-bye. All right.